Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Well, I hate to say it. Hate to take a shot right off the top. But HBO and Hard Knocks, they done messed up, I reckon. They need to show up for the start of the season, not the end. Why do you say that, Paulie? Wolf, if you're looking for an Emmy Award-winning reality TV, and sports is the original reality TV, how many storylines are dripping with drama as the Cardinals head into training camp 2022? I mean, look, uh, the first half of the season is telling the second half of the season, hold my beer at this point. (laughs) And and I get your point, Paulie. Yes, I see it now, clearly. And HBO and R. Knox, I'm just telling you, these guys messed up. They should have started a couple of weeks ago or at least recently when when Hollywood Brown went into his garage and found a rattlesnake. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's your welcome to Arizona moment for Hollywood Brown. Mr. Rattlesnake in your garage. Now, what do you do? Polly, myself and a teammate once attacked a rattlesnake in the backyard of our neighbor. We chopped its head off. Don't tell <gasps> PETA. Jeez. I might go Paulie Peter right now, based on the, that Grizzly account. Thank Paulie, you, Wolf, was, for improving the show with that story. Appreciate he was very it. agitated, Paul. See, now, Wolf, if you're a real tough guy, there was a video a few years ago of Jeremy Roenick, former Coyote superstar, actually grabbed the rattlesnake by the nape of the neck from behind <laughs> and showed the head and, and a live rattlesnake right to the, the camera, and he tweeted it out. So. Yeah. Next time. Uh, I wasn't ready for that, Paulie. <laughs> I'm just going to admit it. You're talking about two Northeastern yeah. boys that went and attacked that rattler. Yeah, well, and remember, Hollywood stands for his hometown of Hollywood, Florida. So this is all new to uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. The Big Red Rage third-round rookie outside linebacker Cameron Thomas will be our guest. Do we have questions for the third-round rookie? Do the Cardinals have a need for edge rusher? Yes and yes. That is coming straight ahead. But, Wolf, uh, you documented it all week long. You're sitting there doing four hours a day, and you know. For example, the first day of mandatory minicamp, the Arizona Cardinals made pro football talk. Three separate stories made for three screaming headlines. Number one, Kyla Murray showed up at camp. Number two, Rodney Hudson did not show up at mandatory minicamp. And number three, the guy who's getting reps at center now, Justin Pugh, almost missed camp in this season entirely after seriously contemplating retirement. So there was a lot going on this week. You know, Paulie, I think um, the the big news to me was all about the offensive line. It really was. Just the fact that Rodney Hudson was not, is not and was not at mandatory minicamp um, that to me was shocking. That 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 really was. Now listen, the OTAs, of course, they're voluntary. That's one thing right there, especially when you're talking about a guy who totally has command of the offense the way that Rodney Hudson does. 
That was disconcerting to me, the fact that he didn't show up for mandatory minicamp. And Cliff Kingsbury said, of course, he was unexcused. Justin Pugh moving over to center. I totally could see Justin Pugh being that guy. I just never thought he would consider retirement and did consider retirement last year. Got down to 265 pounds, Paulie. Yeah, let's take that in order because you're absolutely right, Wolf, and and that's a good recollection because here is Cliff Kingsbury, a little Q&A with the media because he was conspicuous by his absence. Marcus Golden, for example, had missed the entirety of the offseason, but number 44 was there. Number 61 was not. Yeah, no update. Um, We're working through something with him. As soon as we know, we'll we'll have that update. Excused or not? Not excused. Can you say anything more about it? I can't. Not right now. And he was asked again towards the end of the press conference and, um, well, nothing further in terms of details as to what's going on other than Cliff Kingsbury saying that we're working through something. So. He should have gone all Nick Saban on that, Polly. Don't ask me that again. You know, should have gone Nick Saban right there. Yeah, I'm not going to be the Alabama head coach, <laughs> right? So don't ask me again. Right. I. I mean, look, I'll just speculate real quick. Okay, he's got a decade in the league plus. Um, I'm sure he's financially set in a lot of ways. Kelvin Beecham did offer up to the media that he's a new dad. So maybe he's thinking in terms of family first instead of football. Maybe. Could it also have something to do with his cap number going from 2.9 last year to 12.6 this year? And maybe there's been an effort to, uh, let's just say, realign that cap number. And have they not been able to come to an agreement? I, I don't know. Do you have a gut feeling, Wolf, what could be going on here? I really don't, Polly. It is something I never considered. I did not even hear a whisper that there was anything wrong with Rodney Hudson in this offseason. I don't know, Paul. You and I have both talked about it. Um, privately and publicly, of course, and I didn't hear a whisper, and I know you didn't as well. So it was shocking. It truly was. I know this much. I'm not going to put it in the positive category. (laughs) This is going to go in the negative category. Well, and here's Justin Pugh. Uh, As you mentioned, he he met the media, but he also went on the Dave Pash podcast. This is going to be a must-listen next week when it's released, but our Jim Omohundro giving us a little preview here. All right, we're going to wet our beak a little bit here with Justin Pugh talking about potentially playing center for good because he's been taking reps there this offseason. I've never played center before in my career, but I've seen guys play center late into their careers. Center mentally is just so much tougher. And in our offense, the center makes a lot of the calls. That's why we prioritize that position every offseason. We clearly value that position. So for me, it's like if I'm going to keep taking pay cuts at guard, maybe I should move to center and see if I can do that. But I'll do whatever's best for the team. I've played guard. Playing guard's like riding a bike for me. You can put me out there and I know what i got to do. So to get some reps at center and see how that shakes out, it's interesting. It's fun. It, it makes you break a mental sweat and I learn a little bit more. It'll make me better if I want to be a broadcaster because you got to learn coverages sure. and do all those things. So at the very least, it's going to help my broadcasting career. That's a little joke from Justin Pugh. I was a great sense of humor i think about that wolf i mean he's a highly intelligent guy both yeah. football and beyond he's got a decade in the league himself and if he's saying that center is such a mental challenge then for example like a lasita smith coming in as a rookie no chance right, never played Bully. center before that that no way you can risk that so i'm guessing if it's not rodney hudson it's justin Pugh or sean harlow as it stands right now yeah it was kind of like looking at zavin collins last year and saying that zavin collins was going to come in he was going to call the defense
from the Mike linebacker. Not position. realistic. Not real. Not realistic at all, Paulie. Right there. Listen, Justin Pugh. He's got the mentals, as they say. He's got the mentality, and he's got the intellect to actually play the center position. He also has the feet to play the center position. Mm. Here's the one thing that I do wonder about, though: the mechanics of snapping the ball and making your block, snapping the ball and taking the step simultaneously. It's something you've got to be able to do, and you've got to be able to do it well, and you've got to be able to do it accurately. And I I just don't know, man, a guy who doesn't have a a ton of experience at center trying to actually learn it this, this late in his career. I mean, theoretically... Cardinals could open training camp in the first team session, and we're watching. And, you know, fans will be allowed again this year, and we're all watching. There's the first-team offensive line, and left to right, it's D.J. Humphreys, Will Hernandez, a left guard, Justin Pugh at center. You have Justin Murray at right guard, and then Calvin Beecham at right tackle. I mean, that's the way it stands right now until we get further answers, any answers, on the status of Rodney Hudson. Yeah, no, um, you're right, man, but the offensive line, it's – it's a, I'm not giving up on Rodney Hudson right now. I, yeah, I am not. I'm not ready emotionally, well, Paul. And you know what? To sit there and say they're, they're not. They're going to go to trade again. There's not going to be any Rodney Hudson. I'm not emotionally ready to do that, Paul. And we've talked about this as well. And that is that. Look, Rodney Hudson is a baller. That dude is a grinder. Grinder. I, he was in there right after Cliff Kingsbury a lot last year, just watching film. If you gave if you gave Rodney Hudson uh, an option to not meet the media, do you think he would meet the media? I'd no. say no. <laughs> he, he has no interest. He, he's all about football. So hopefully that bodes well in them working something out, whatever it might be. Yeah, it, and that's exactly why, though, Paulie, I'm putting it in the negative column. That's why I'm putting it in the, because everything you just said about Rodney Hudson, that's what I know yeah. of Rodney Hudson. By reputation, I was talking to Max Starks about it today. He said the exact same thing. By reputation, Rodney Hudson is a pro's pro. You know, it it just, I I don't know what the issue is. I don't know what the problem is. Um, The fact that it's unexcused, though, tells me that it's not something personal. And that's a good thing, ultimately. Okay. Yeah. And look, maybe, you know, new dad, maybe he wanted to spend more time with the newborn at home. And he said, you know what, as a, as a super vet, forget all this offseason stuff. We didn't even have it most of the last two years. You know what? Either way, Justin Pugh is an option. And is, you know, and he said, if I'm not playing center, I'm back at left guard. And then everyone looks at Justin Pugh and they go, man, do you weigh enough to play NFL offensive line, period? And Dave Pash asked him about that. What weight did you play at last year? Like 285, 280. And, uh, now, we played the Rams the first time we played the Rams. I was 278 pounds in that Rams game. So everyone's telling me I'm too skinny right now. And I'm like, I'm four pounds off of the lightest I played at last year. <laughs> and put my film on. If you think it's a problem, put my film sure. on. And the Cardinals obviously watched the film, and they're still paying me. So something – I, I got to get the weight back up. But in our offense, we go so fast, and the way I play, it, it lends itself. I'm a very aggressive player now as opposed to sitting back and kind of just being like a garbage can. <laughs> and and that's on the patch. And he said actually he likes his body composition more now versus last year. He got down to two sixty five. He's rebuilding his body and his weight back up and he, he likes the way he's doing it. He's really taking care and, and and making sure he does it the right way. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna rip him off a garbage can with arms, Polly. And by the way, you know, he He's about as realistic as it gets about the business of the NFL. Yeah, he, he, was, he told the media, hey, until they can bring in someone to replace me, a left guard who's better than me as a left guard, they have to continue to pay me. 
<laughs> he's just he's just great at bottom lining everything. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a great listen. Episode 32 of the Dave Pash podcast featuring Cardinals O-lineman Justin Pugh. It premieres next week. To catch up on all the episodes, follow the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at Pash Pod. By the way, Dave did have the best rip job of the week, and it was at Wolf's expense. I think the line was, you know, we only feature the biggest names in the Pash Pod. That's why we haven't had Wolf as a guest yet. So That's that was a pretty shot. funny, Paul. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That might cost Dave during the preseason uh, when you guys go big time and go TV. <laughs> you got that right. Funny. Yeah. Funny like how? Funny like yeah. a clown? So, all right, let's talk to the third-round rookie who was a second-team All-American, a guy who wore number 99 in college for a reason. Did Cameron Thomas finally meet J.J. Watt, and what was that like? And can he really play outside linebacker? Because the dude had his hand in the dirt quite a bit in college. Cameron Thomas is next. This is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. The Arizona Cardinals select Cameron Thomas. Defensive end, San Diego State. Cam, he's super athletic. And what you loved about Cam is you loved his interview, you loved the intensity, but and you loved the way he played the game. And also with Cam is he showed some ability to put his hand in the ground and play some of the five, play some of the outside backer stuff due to his athleticism. So uh, we really loved his motor, his temperament. VP of Player Personnel, Quentin Harris, on the Big Red Race, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. And you know what? We're going to go one better than a scouting report. How about the real deal? How about Cameron Thomas himself joining us on this edition? Cameron, how you doing? I mean, think about it. You have your OTAs. You have your mini camp. Okay, so just compare and contrast. What has it been like compared to maybe some of your expectations going in? Um, you know, I think I think it uh, lives right up to those expectations. You know, I, I knew coming in here, I was gonna have to come in here and work and um, have fun doing it. And I think it's it's been just that. Um, you know, getting to kind of know some of these guys and um, uh, yeah, it's, honestly, everything's just been great, and I've really been enjoying it. When you hear Quentin Harris go through some of the tangibles with you, things that they noticed on film, like your intensity, your motor. Your effort, you sort of nodded, right? I mean, you take pride in being known for that, don't you? Yeah, no, that's definitely. Um, when I think about me myself as a person and a player, um, it all starts with effort. Um, you know, whether that's on the field, off the field. But I really try to pride myself with my effort um, and this relentlessness. You know, so I, when I go out there every single play, I want to be just absolutely relentless. How often when you're watching film and you make a play or you get in on a tackle or a sack or a pressure or a quarterback hit? How much of it is a direct byproduct of effort? Meaning, if you would have given up on the play, you never would have made a play. You know, uh, I think a majority of my college plays that I made were just because of that effort alone. You know, sometimes when you're running from the backside, plays away from you. You know, majority of people would think that's just, um, you know, there's, there's you know, there's ten other def- uh, defenders on that side of the ball. But for me, it was really like that's an opportunity. If that ball carrier is not down <laughs> on the ground yet, that's a, that you know, that's a that's a point in the stat sheet right there. And um, so yeah, I was just kind of uh, just kind of bring the most out of myself with my effort, and um, yeah, is that feasible? I mean, is that really doable down by down? Because we've heard for decades, especially defensive linemen, well, they'll take a play off here or there. I mean, can you really keep a consistent motor like that? Uh, I believe you can. You know, that's just kind of where all the work in the off season and um, just being true to yourself where it comes into play. 
Um, you know, that's not something I just kind of woke up one day and did. That's something that has just been earned every single day, day in, day out, just adding up to those moments. So when they come, you know, they could be reality. You know, we were talking to GM Steve Kime, and we're on board here with Cameron Thomas, Cardinals third-round rookie out of San Diego State, edge rusher. And we'll get to the position in a minute. But Steve Kime talked after the draft about how you lived behind the line of scrimmage. And when you look at your quarterback pressures, when you look at your tackles for loss, I think you were top five in the NCAA in both categories. What's the key there? What's the key to getting that sort of penetration when you're on the defensive front? Um, again, I'll, I'll say it again. It starts with effort. Um, and then another part of it, you know, is just being uh, well-disciplined and well-coached. You know, I was very blessed to have, a, uh, you know, a very good coach and Brady Hoke at San Diego State and just really believed in and bought in everything he said. And, you know, that's the same kind of, uh, type of uh, mentality I'm trying to have when I'm here. And it just, you know, I just I really believe it plays off. And um, it's just, yeah, going back to the who I am as a player. True or false? At one point, you were a nose tackle at San Diego State? Uh, that is true. A 245-pound nose tackle. <laughs> you know, you don't really see them very often. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really love that. You did? I did. I really enjoyed it. So at 245, you're getting the double team? At the point of attack? Getting the double team, getting the, uh, the the reach bump block. I mean, getting it all. I loved it. So, okay. So, all right. So, that makes sense, the 245-pound nose tackle. Because at first glance, wait, wait a minute. They're taking a nose tackle once upon a time. And now they're going to make him an edge rusher slash outside linebacker. So, I guess we understand. What position do you think is your best position? Uh, you know, I love the edge. I, I really do consider myself just a... Just a line player. I mean, really, I, like I said, I have so much experience inside. All that toughness that I had gained inside, it translates outside just as well. And, you know, that speed from the outside that I get when I go inside, that's also like creating mismatches. You know, you don't go to 245-pound uh, nose tackle um, and expect him to do the same thing as a 300-pounder. You're going to expect him to get off the ball faster. You're going to expect him to use his quickness um, and just kind of create mismatches uh, throughout the line. And um, that's kind of what I kind of – my philosophy of things was but you know i really am enjoying myself out in the edge right now and i'm um, loving uh, everything coach bowling is giving yeah. me we had charlie bowling in recently cardinals outside linebackers coach and i shared with him i said you know what there were a couple of times we're going out all right we're checking out the rookies the otas and so forth and you're looking at your roster and you're like okay cameron thomas number 97 and i walk over to the d-line group and i'm like wait a minute he's oh well yeah he's out over with the outside linebackers has it been a little different for you to be training and repping with the outside linebackers versus you know guys with their hands in the dirt um you know it, it definitely was a little bit of a transitional period maybe a day or two um but yeah you know i my whole uh, collegiate career i was a hand in the dirt guy and you know when i first got here uh outside linebacker i'm standing up every play i still have not put my hand in the dirt yet so um yeah you know there's a little bit of a transition but you know i think it's been great i, I really like the um, standing up, I really like the the vision you get through it, and I also feel like I really get a good jump off the ball um, with it. So I think it's been it's been fantastic so far. And, and as a guy who grew up watching JJ Watt, or at least a lot in college, that's one of his calling cards, right? He'll move up and down that defensive front. Ninety nine will be virtually anywhere, correct? Absolutely. And so, what was that moment like? Isaiah Simmons talked about how he. He grew up watching J.J. Watt. Even Cliff Kingsbury this week joked. He said, you know, I still don't talk to J.J. Watt, meaning he's intimidated by him a little bit. Tell us about the moment that you actually met the guy whose career you followed so closely and whose number you wore at San Diego State. Tell us about that moment, because it has happened, right? Yeah, no, it has. Um, yes, I remember we were coming in. It was just, it was still all the rookies getting together. It was the beginning of uh, rookie mini camp. And, uh, I was walking in, and uh, the reason, you know, he's earned his reputation is um, just from the way he works, you know, we get there as rookies around uh, five, five fifty in the morning, and mm. um, 
he's already in there. You know, he's already he's getting out of the cold tubs when we're getting in there, and it just shows why he is why he is. And um, I got in there, was going to the training room, and he was uh, just doing some normal stretching like that. And I didn't want to distract him or anything. I just came in there, uh, give him my, I just introduced myself to him real quick, and uh, it was quick and short, but uh, it it was really cool. Do you find yourself, when you have a down moment, you get some Gatorade, you're looking around the field, where's 99? Do you find your eyes kind of going his way? <laughs> uh, it's not very hard to find him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, no, yeah. yeah. What about uh, when you watched his film? What do you think you learned over the years watching his game? Uh, yeah, I learned uh, actually a lot from his game. And one thing I loved about his game that really uh, translated with me was you know, him being be able to play up and down the line of scrimmage and just dominating. Anywhere you're going to line him up, he's just going to dominate and uh, I believe it really starts with obviously his worth ethic, his skill, and all that. But it's his mentality, um, you know that that mentality that I'm going to beat you no matter where I line up. And um, yeah, I learned a lot from him. You know, whether it was um, on the edge and you know, kind of flashing hands, uh, dipping around the edge, or inside, you know, uh, you know, taking a couple steps up on the guard, getting the guard to fan out on him, and then countering, making the inside move, and just yeah, I've learned a lot from him. Hey, Cameron Thomas, our guest here on the Big Red Rage, third-round pick. Sort of like Majay uh, Sanders as well. Have you guys bought it, just the fact you play the same position, you were taken in the same round? Yeah, absolutely. It's been great working with Majay. How would you describe his game? Because I know you guys are quite different in a lot of ways, in yeah. the way you approach the game, and just your skill sets, body types. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you've seen out of him. Uh, yeah, being be able to work with Majay is great, especially one thing I do like um, is how they kind of drafted different a little bit different players. You know, he's a very speed player. I mean, his uh, jump off the ball is some of the, was one of the best I've ever seen. And um, yeah, so be able to have that on one side, then versus you know have me on the other side with um, you know a little more power to my game. It it's, uh, definitely creates a lot of different um, mismatches and stuff like that. You know, I've heard like DJ Humphreys, Cardinals starting left tackle, has been the host of Big Red Rage for many years, and he let it be known that you know what, as a left tackle, if you're going to keep the same guy in there the entire game, I'm going to get used to what he brings in his body type. But let's just say the Cardinals in a game this year go with a MyJ Sanders and they rotate into Cameron Thomas, and then here comes Dennis Gardak, right? Six foot even or so, a pit bull kind of guy, and then a Devon Kennard. I would imagine that could be a challenge yeah, for a left tackle. Just bringing the whole arsenal at once, right? yeah. I mean, if you're changing it up on the offensive lineman, that, that's got to be to your advantage, I would think. Absolutely. So when you're out here, what sort of impression have you tried to leave on the coaches going into training camp with that being just over a month, a month of six weeks away or so? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to be myself out here. Uh, and I just like I said before, discipline is a, is a huge thing for me. So just trying to show them the person I am um, and the player I am. What's been your biggest challenge so far? Cameron Thomas, Cardinals third-round pick. A lot of guys at this point will say the playbook. Is that accurate or is it something else? Um, you know, the playbook's obviously been a little bit of a struggle, but, you know, I've been taking my time outside of here and really trying to make sure I make the best opportunity. One thing I am struggling with, I guess I would say, is, uh, man, i got to get a watch. <laughs> a watch? i got to get a watch, man. I'm kind of a little too close to so many of these meetings. But, um, yeah, no, the playbook has been um, kind of something that I took into my own hands. What about your cell phone? Can you can you can you set the alarm on your cell phone, Cameron? That I can do. Yep, that I can do. <laughs> but I don't always have my phone on me uh, at all times. So, because what's the rule? If you're five minutes early, you're late. Is that sort of the rule with, in the NFL? That is it. Yep. Okay, I got you. All right. So you've heard it from Charlie Bullen? Uh, yep. 
<laughs> That's good. All right, so what do you have planned between now and yeah, the rookies have to stay through the end of the month. I get it, but you're, there's going to be a few weeks of downtime. Uh, what's your plan? Are you going back to your hometown of San Diego? That is your hometown, right? Uh, yes, sir, it is. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Carlsbad, San Diego, and um, you know, uh, I got some people out there I uh, already have lined up to work with, and I'm really excited to um, use that as an opportunity to get a jump. See, you grew up seeing all the Arizona license plates in the summer. Now you're going to have the Arizona license plate in the summer. That's how that's going to work, right? That's, that's going to be me. <laughs> how exciting is it, though, just this moment, to be launching your NFL career? Because I know you're all about football, right? I mean, this has got to be a big deal. It means it means everything to me. Um, be able to wear that little badge on my uh, my chest during practice, the little NFL badge, I mean, it really just uh, brings a little kid out of me. I mean, seriously, it just really uh, it means a lot to me. All right, so you're going to continue to foster that relationship with J.J. Watt as, as we wrap it up? You're sort of picking your spots, aren't you, to engage him? Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's a busy man, like I said. You know, he's always doing something, um, and I really respect him for doing that. Okay. Cameron, we respect you for giving us some of your time, and uh, we look forward to training camp. You and my Jay Sanders and what some of the other rookies are going to do this year. Awesome, yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. Okay, there you go. Cameron Thomas, everyone, your Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Started all 14 games a year ago, and he'll be out there in training camp trying to earn some time as the Cardinals try and generate a pass rush minus Chandler Jones this year. Hey, there's opportunity for playing time. There's no doubt about it on Vance Joseph's defense. We'll be back with more on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert after this. Jackson on first down, wants to throw, going deep, looking for Hollywood Brown, end zone, touchdown, Hollywood Brown! Surprise, surprise, he is a guy that makes sense for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, two years of controlled costs, uh, getting a dynamic receiver who's played inside, outside, obviously the chemistry with our quarterback, and a guy who can be a dynamic vertical threat, which is something we were looking for, as well as... I had a very strong feeling that the board was going to fall the way it did, and I'm awfully glad that we made this trade. It's GM Steve Kime. Not long after the Cardinals finalized that trade for Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown is an Arizona Cardinal from Baltimore Ravens after a first round of the draft where the top six receivers went before pick number 20. Cardinals were picking 23. That was the reference there, and you heard one of his big-time touchdown catches on the Ravens radio network. I tell you, Wolf, and you've seen it as well, it's hard not to notice number one throwing to number two in these OTAs and the minicamps. Man, they have instant chemistry, and we talked about it this week, didn't we not, that if you were taking a rookie first-round receiver, there definitely would have been a learning curve. There is with every <laughs> single rookie receiver, but this is plug and play. Yeah, Paulie, uh, you know, you've been out there watching him, Paul. Uh, I typically have been broadcasting, but you've actually had the opportunity to watch him go out there and play. Listen, he's the run-by guy the Arizona Cardinals needed. I mean, this is something we've talked about, but this is going to open up a lot of room for D-Hop and Zach Ertz. It just is. You cannot even believe the kind of impact that a receiver who can run the way that Marquise Brown can run is actually going to open things up for so many other guys. That's number one. He can produce big numbers himself, Paul. (laughs) It's not like, you know what, it's not just him without the ball, it's him with the ball. He can produce himself. That's number two. And number three is, you know what, you think of the offense that he comes from. Now, it's a heavy 12 personnel, run-first offense with the Ravens, right? Mixing the old and the new, very similar to what I expect to see the Cardinals do a little bit this year. Um, 
and he was the number one receiver. When D-Hop actually gets back into the fold after week six, um, he's not going to be asked to be the number one. Yeah, and he's mentioned that, has he not, about how he looks forward to the fact that Diop will be the guy getting the double coverage or the bracket, the safety over the top. That's something that would always happen to him in Baltimore. And you know what? In that Greg Roman offense in Baltimore, you're right. It was run first, it was tight end second, and then it was receivers third. It might have been Lamar running third and then receivers fourth, I mean, in the pecking order. So the Cardinals feel like they can unlock some of this big play ability of Marquise Hollywood Brown. In fact, Cliff Kingsbury was asked, about that he can stretch the defense there's no doubt vertically I mean he can really roll he had a bunch of big plays last year could have had more I felt like and um, that's an aspect you know having AJ Rondell him guys that can can stretch the field from all angles is going to be good for us and you heard Steve Kimes say about he can play inside and outside and look we love Christian Kirk okay he's he's our guy and he's a great guest so many times in the big red rage but but Wolf you tell me he was much more effective inside than Christian Kirk ever was outside right yeah no you're right about that Paulie and once again way to go Christian (laughs) way to go bad guy I'm just saying right there good things to Christian Kirk but yeah, listen, um, the the Cardinals are going to have so many different weapons to use. And yes, 11 personnel is going to be one of those. 11 personnel, whether it's in rundown situation or otherwise, that is going to be really intriguing to me. One back, one tight end, and three wides. Who are the three wide receivers going to be? They're going to have multiple 11 personnel packages, Paul. Multiple. Typically, you don't. Typically, you just, okay, It's what's our starting 11 personnel? One back, one tight end, three wide, like I said. You know what? They might mix and match the three wide receivers that mm. are going to be in a game. Not only that, Paulie, they may say um, that tight end is not always going to be Zach Ertz when we go 11 personnel. That tight end might be Trey McBride. That tight end might be Max Williams, depending on the personnel group. Once again, they're going to have multiple 11 personnel groups. That's exciting. All those weapons, Cliff Kingsbury made a deadpan comment to the uh, media. I think he was joking, not joking, that he needs his three weeks of vacation for mental health because when he gets back and then D Hop gets back, he's going to have a lot of these guys yelling at him as the play caller. <laughs> you know, where are my targets? You know, somebody give me the dang ball, and there's only one of them. So it's a good headache to have. There's no doubt about it. And I also like that. That Marquise Hollywood Brown and and Rondale Moore are already pushing each other. The, these are two guys who are similar in size and speed. They're already fielding questions: who's faster? Who's going to be more productive? And so, and then we found out about Hollywood Brown and just what sort of practice player is. He, he's known as a grinder. Yes. In fact, in fact, he was asked, "Okay, are you taking time off? And if so, how and when between now and camp?" No, I'm going to work starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that, starting tomorrow, uh, get my body right, and then, you know, wherever Kyler's at, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> Man, that's, and, and you know what? We found out this week that they've been spending a lot more time together in the Dallas area than we anticipated. So, look, they enjoy each other's company. They're really close friends. I think Marquise Hollywood-Brown knows that he wants to have a big season, obviously, with that contract hanging in the balance. So the best way to learn the offense and be effective and hang out with one of his good friends, you know what? I'm just going to go where Kyler is. Yeah, you know what I love about that? Marquise is a dog. He's Paul, this is a guy that loves to practice. You just tell me right now that a guy loves to practice. 
He just, I, I don't care who it is, Paul, what the name is, how much money's making. If you tell me, here's a guy that loves to practice and gives a lot of effort when he practices, I'll tell you right now, Paul, that dude's a dog. He is. And you know what? If you look at his backstory, he, he didn't get a, a Division One scholarship right out of high school. He had to go to Southern California from Florida. He had to work a side job and then play ball at a junior college to put himself through junior college, and then he earned it on the field. Boom, he got the scholarship to Oklahoma. Then him and Kyler on the scout team, they said they would just go out and they knew they weren't playing in the game. It was Baker Mayfield and company when Bake was winning the Heisman. They'd go out and just try and torch the first-team defense. That that was their game day during practice in the week. So he's a guy who's used to earning it. And, and then Cliff Kingsbury was asked about Kyler and you know what he can teach Hollywood Brown at this point during those workouts. Kyler can signal things out to him, talk through the offense, how we do things, pace of play, all that, and, and just continue to build that rapport. Getting that timing together is huge anytime you can have that type of work. I mean, if they already have that chemistry, Wolf, you tell me, because too often last year, we saw Kyler not quite have some of that chemistry with his receivers. Sure. A- A.J. Green has been blunt and honest and, and is pointing the finger at himself, and he needs to work on his relationship with Kyler Murray. So it seems like, you know what, once again, it's just plug and play Hollywood and Kyler. Yeah, no, Paulie, it, it is. It's, it's a huge advantage right now. It really is. You think of Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, right? Yep. These guys that were former teammates, Paulie, they were friends, of course. They've got that chemistry. Um, this is exactly what Kyler Murray has with Hollywood Brown, man. It's the reason why I really do believe this is going to be a Super Bowl caliber offense. And, and you know what? There's something else that stands out is we hit zoom out on the offseason and we just talked to the rookie Cameron Thomas. If you go back to when Trey McBride, the second round rookie tight end out of Colorado State, met the media. He made a comment in response to, why would the Cardinals take a tight end? And Trey McBride told the media that Coach Cliff wants to disguise the offense a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sort of validates your point, does it not, of what the Cardinals were when they had Max Williams. So now if they're able to get Trey McBride and hopefully get Max Williams healthy and just sort of keep some of these teams on their heels a little bit more perhaps and maybe that's a big reason why each of the last two years in the latter part of the season with all the film that was out there maybe just maybe the Cardinals offense got a little too predictable yeah Pauline always remember this as well Super Bowl caliber always means prove it hey we'll continue to do that in the big red rage position battles next up on the football this time with a two-back set on first and goal tight right is Noah Gray gonna give it off Darrell Williams cuts it back to the left that's a starting right into the end zone touchdown Kansas City Darrell Williams smart and tough cutting back to his left Holmes barking up the calls right foot in front of the left at the near hatch takes the snap throws in the flat Darrell Williams 15 10 Leaps into the end zone! Touchdown! Kansas City! The Raiders still aren't covering Darrell Williams. It's a 23-yard touchdown on a flat route and yards after the catch by D. Will. 
about Chiefs Radio Network, some big moments, some big plays in big games from Daryl Williams over the last few years. Smart and tough, Wolf. So you know what? The potential to be worthy of the number 24 in the running back room like you once upon a time with the Arizona Cardinals. How about that? Well, Bowie, thank you very much. I'm waiting for the attack now momentarily. But let me just say this, uh, Daryl Williams... Uh, we had the opportunity, Polly, to actually speak with Daryl Williams. And can I have I not met you, him. Do tell. Can I tell you right now? It's very interesting. Um, he's a lot bigger and a lot thicker than what I thought he was going to be. Thicker as in A.J. Dillon. Whoa. Thick. No. Yeah, really? Paul, I'm just <laughs> like 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 like, like, yes. like the guy from the back is leg day, like that kind of thick legs. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes, the butt. Wow. And thighs were thick, Paul. I'm just saying right now. Now, he said, he told us at the time, Daryl, that he wanted to lose some weight, still needed to lose some weight. But, man, I told him, don't. Just keep it right where you are. Well, I tell you what, I mean, arguably that running back room is going to be the most loaded position group perhaps on this team going into camp considering you already have a Pro Bowl running back in James Conner. We know Daryl Williams coming off a season where he had 1,000 all scrimmage yards. Think, starting only 7 to 17 games for Kansas City, he still had 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And then you have maybe the guy who's the up-and-comer of the offseason, and that would be Eno Benjamin, who has gotten multiple props from Cliff Kingsbury and that's not the only one. Listen to Justin Pugh on the Dave Pash podcast. I think James kind of keeps that that same role. We'll go out there. He'll be short yardage. He'll. He mean. I mean, he was getting out in the passing game, doing screens, doing all those things. He was unbelievable. I think a guy to look for is you know Benjamin. He's looked great in, in uh, minicamp so far. He's probably been our best outside zone running back that we've had on the roster, even last year. And he had to learn how to pass protect, and that was really the only thing. You can't trust the guy to be in the game if you can't trust him to pick up and pass protection. And he's gone night and day from last year to this year. So I think he's going to have a big jump. What what did he say right there? Did did he say the outside zone? That's did you hear he him say that, Paul? That's what he said. Oh, 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 baby. That's what I'm talking about, Paul. That is the package of plays. That is the panacea. It is. It's the pass apart two for the Arizona Cardinals. The end all be all. The key that un Paul, that is huge right there. Honestly. You tell me they're going to run the tackle zone and the package of plays that come off of that as their base? Man, that is good news to me. I tell you, we might want to end the show right there, considering Wolf's reaction. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I I can even follow that up, but here was the question I was going to go with, is that if James Conner is a power back, and he is, although we, we learned he has a lot more in that toolbox, right, especially catching the ball and he can house it, he can finish some of the. Darrell Williams is a big back. If Eno Benjamin, who is in great shape like now, look, looks great, do you think he fills a Chase Edmonds type role? Yes. In that, you know, he's he's the back who can make the first guy miss better than anyone else, perhaps. Yes, Polly. You know, once again, remember when they drafted Eno Benjamin, I did compare him to Chase Edmonds. Mm. I, I did. Uh, I thought these guys were going to get along really, really well because I heard that Eno was very cerebral. Well, guess what? Those guys did get along very, very well. And. Having Chase on the field, Chase was like, Paul, it was like having a coach on the field. And I think Eno Benjamin is that kind of brain, and he's that kind of grinder. He's that kind of guy that's going to finish practice and go in and watch tape himself. He's going to go home, as a matter of fact, and watch tape. He's that kind of guy, and that's exactly who Chase was.
You know me, Wolf. I love a good conspiracy theory. And yes. I may or may not have wondered out loud on air with you earlier this week that all this praise for Eno Benjamin, is that because they're setting up a trade? Right. Because they're only going to keep four running backs, and special teams isn't exactly his specialty. And so, you know, but I asked around a little bit, and the answer would be a resounding no, Calvin. Yes, C, I don't that he really, so. he really has popped and shined in these offseason workouts and on the field when the Cardinals have been out there. So, it sounds like it's legit. Justin Pugh, you just heard with Daypash, brought him up on his own, unsolicited. That's, that's huge, Paul. So, okay, the running back room, we get that. Now, what about cornerback? Because the Cardinals did sign former second-round pick Josh Jackson, a four-year guy. Uh, they signed him today. He was on a tryout basis during minicamp. In fact, I tweeted out some video of him at Paul Calvisi. And I'm just wondering about the cornerback room now after the tragic death of Jeff Gladney because they want to move Byron Murphy inside. Do they not? That's where he excels. But are they going to have that ability if they don't have a capable outside corner to go with Marco Wilson? Paulie, let's talk about the running back room again, okay? Can we do that, Paul? I mean... Corner right now, it is. It is okay. an area of concern, obviously. And, you know, who that is going to be, Polly, I don't know. I don't think they're done. There's no way, man. There is a John Abraham that is coming here. There's an Eric Winston signing. There's something that is coming here, Paul. I think, I think there'll, there'll be guys that get let go as well in training camp that. I think the Cardinals will kick the tires on. I, I think this is going to be a constant search leading up to the regular season for that corner, that third guy. I agree. What about inside linebacker? Zabin Collins, Isaiah Simmons, obviously will be given every chance in the month of August to win those inside linebacker spots. But will they? I mean, that is a big question, is it not? Polly, yes, it is. And I'm saying to myself, please, 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 please. I am, please, please, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons win those inside linebacker jobs right there. Again, um, Isaiah, I think sometimes, you know, they move them all over the place, and that's great. He truly is an X Factor. He truly is a rare talent. But sometime, at some point in time, you got to find home, baby. You got to have a position you can call home. This is where I belong. Yeah, they're going to be creative with me. Yeah, they're going to move me around in special situations. But I gotta, I've got to be a master of one, not a jack of all trades master of none i've got to be a master of one and look the practice sessions the media was allowed to see during this offseason the entirety of the offseason every time we were out there and this is according to craig grigolo who tracks these sort of things isaiah simmons worked exclusively with the safeties yeah. he never worked position group drills with the inside linebacker so we'll see I, I don't know what that means exactly they signed another inside linebacker today a four-year guy who played for the chiefs most recently and ben neiman there's that. Then, obviously, there's the center position pending Rodney Hudson. And then the other position battle is opposite Marcus Golden, edge rusher. And, I mean, Wolf, Can I, it's got to be Devon Kennard's job to lose at this point unless a Dennis Gardeck is someone. But even Gardeck, I mean, I don't think you really view him as an every-down player at this point. Do you? You know, listen, he, all I know, he had seven sacks and 93 reps, Paul, True. right? True. I mean, that was pretty doggone good right there. He... He actually existed and flourished, I should say, in Vance Joseph's high-pressure, complex-pressure packages. He did very, very well in that. But, you know, Polly, I just the Isaiah Simmons thing, once again, this might be a situation where they know they're going to play him more. 
at that weak side inside linebacker position. But with all the the advancement of this new age, this new era offense, this spread offense being in, introduced to the NFL, maybe they want him to get a lot of safety work, Paulie, sure. because they are going to move him around. And that's the most hey. difficult thing for him to learn. So maybe that's why they're doing it now, but once the pads go on and they start hitting and running the ball, they're going to put them inside. I said this earlier today on Cardinals Underground, the podcast. Go to azcardinals.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what his position is week one against Kansas City? His position is the dude who covers Travis Kelsey. (laughs) And I don't care if he's listed as an inside linebacker or he's listed as a safety. I don't care. He's the guy who's got to check the all-pro tight end, Travis Kelsey. That's his role. I just want him to stick his face into the fan and like it. That's what I want him to do. In the final moments, what did you think of Cameron Thomas, our our interview? Because I tell you, there was a great moment. We were going into the studio, coming out of the studio after the Red Sea Report was Kyle Vandenbosch. And I introduced Cameron Thomas, said, hey, Kyle Vandenbosch. And immediately Cameron Thomas lit up. He knew exactly who Kyle <laughs> Vandenbosch was as a fellow great pass rusher, right? He knew all about the That's fact so he played cool. for the Lions. That was a great moment. When yeah, he, you know what? I, I love the fact he equated intensity with effort. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that right there. I also love the fact that this dude is almost 270 pounds and thick, Paul. Yeah. He's got a thick base, man. Yeah. He, he looks pretty good, at least going through the garbage cans. He can move for a guy who said he hasn't put his hand in the ground once this entire offseason, and that's all he did in college. And then he cited how ultra-quick my Jay Sanders is. So all eyes are on those two third-round rookies, no doubt, when the Cardinals get to camp. That is their next stop because they are off, although the rookies will be here through the end of the month. Special thanks, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, and Cameron Thomas. For Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage. Ciao. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.